You're listening to the Ollie at UNT podcast, recorded at the Osher Lifelong Learning Institute at the University of North Texas, where we offer courses, events, and more for intellectually curious adults age 50 and better. To learn more about our program, please visit our website, olli.unt.edu. Now, let's join our host, Ollie at UNT member, Susan Supak, as she sits down for a conversation with one of the people who makes our program so special. This is Susan Supak speaking at the Osher Lifelong Learning Institute at the University of North Texas in Denton, Texas, known to most of us as Ollie. I'm speaking with Annette Becker, director of UNT's Texas Fashion Collection and an Ollie faculty member. Annette comes from a background involving art and history museums from around the country. Her expertise is in 19th and 20th century fashion and material culture and museology, a new word for me, which means the science of organizing and managing museums. Presently, she has the responsibility for curating and maintaining the Texas Fashion Collection's holding of nearly 20,000 historic and designer garments and accessories. I personally toured the Texas Fashion Collection and have to say that even with that impressive description of the collection's size, there is no way to overstate how marvelous it is. Welcome, Annette. Thank you, Susan. And I mean that sincerely. (laughs) For myself, going through that collection, I realized that I not only got a wonderful view of the history of fashion, but it was like an intimate walk through history, everyday lives of history. Uh, I remember when I was there, you were working on an early 1700 French gentleman's jacket and telling us about the rules for what people wore as far as fashion. Can you tell us a little bit about the beginnings of your Texas fashion collection? Absolutely. The Texas fashion collection has really deep history and roots in the North Texas area. So our collection got its beginning in 1938 when the department store Neiman Marcus started collecting examples of both contemporary fashion but also historic designs. The brothers Stanley and Edward Marcus, um, who were instrumental figures in the shaping of Neiman Marcus into what we know it historically to be and what it is today, they started collecting pieces in honor of their aunt, Carrie Marcus. Neiman, and she, I think, was kind of an early custodian of the collection, finding historic pieces to add to the holdings that Neiman Marcus was developing, which, if you think about it in 1938, is an incredibly forward-thinking project. It truly is. Project. Yeah, it's pretty amazing, especially since even today, I think we struggle to see things from our own time period as being of historic importance. So for, you know, these early characters in Neiman Marcus's history to understand that what they were doing would be important to us you know, what, 80 years later is really just an amazing story. We're so fortunate for her foresight in doing that and for theirs in passing it on to the Texas Fashion Collection. That's amazing. What is the mission of the TFC? 
As part of the University of North Texas, we see our mission to kind of serve the, the research purposes of the university. And then we also try to make our collection as accessible as possible. So that means we're trying to make all of these 20,000 objects available to, to the general public, but also to students, early career designers, more developed designers, people in a variety of fields. One of the joys of being at UNT is that there are so many people with so many different types of expertise that we really see the Texas Fashion Collection as being kind of a learning environment. So when people come into the TFC, we want to make sure that they feel comfortable to share their own perspectives. Because I'm trained as an art historian, I don't have a background in fashion design, I don't have a background, an academic background in collection management. So it takes people from, you know, the library science program to teach us how to use databases. It takes students from the fibers program to even teach me about weaving structures and some of the pieces we have. I think that's one of the most exciting parts of being at the TFC is just having this accessible place for so many people to come in and combine their research interests and for fields to, to cross lines in ways that they hardly ever get to. I think it's really marvelous to see the way you have used your expertise in order to draw on the expertise of the people in the university. It makes things come together in just a phenomenal way. It's really quite impressive. Well, thank you. And it's so much fun sharing that with Ollie students and participants and teaching courses with other Ollie faculty, because it's just, you know, more opportunities for people with perspectives different from mine. Uh, we can all come together and learn from each other. That's true. That's a good analogy. I think that's a wonderful part of Ollie is that you do get people with these varieties of backgrounds that come together in ways that you can never imagine that brings so much color and variety into whatever it is that we're learning about or studying. Could you describe the Texas Fashion Collection for us, for the listeners? Oh, goodness. Yeah, this is <laughs> such a marvelous treasure. Um, so as you mentioned, our collection has around 20,000 historic and designer garments and accessories. These span about 250 years of fashion history. And while most of the pieces have been created or used in Europe or in the United States, our collection includes pieces from five continents. Amazing. Um, yeah, we're, it's, uh, it's kind of a challenge, honestly, having so many perspectives represented in one place because we we want to make sure, you know, as part of our, our missions for access and research, making sure that we're responsible in developing our collections and making sure that we are representing a lot of perspectives. So we have everywhere from haute couture ensembles that were worn by the 1% of the 1% that were, you know, kind of represent the very height of fashion design and careful care and handwork that can be put into something with people with decades of experience, all the way from that to a formal dress that in our database the designer is listed as grandmother because it was most likely made in the <laughs> 1950s. You know, people use the resources that they have and everyone wants to feel special in their clothing. So kind of, you know, across class boundaries, across cultures, we have objects that represent, you know, what clothing means to people. Some of these pieces I think can be incredibly inspiring, for, especially for the young designers that we primarily work with. And some of them I think can be exa examples and in innovative use of ways of 
using materials. For example, one of my favorite pieces in the collection is a tiara from the 1930s. It's made out of chicken wire, (laughs) glue, and glitter. (laughs) So, you know, often when we think of a fashion collection, we think of, you know, Christian Dior and Coco Chanel and all of these, you know, big important names that we see on the runways today. But I think it's really important for people to remember that while our collection has some of those pieces, that we also represent, you know, what a lot of people would recognize and, you know, ways that people were being innovative within the the means that they had and with the resources that are around them. And that's something that I think art and design can teach everyone is being creative with, you know, what they have available to them. And speaking of that, I know that the TFC is a vital resource for uh, UNT's College of Visual Arts and Designs. Could you explain a little bit the ways that students and faculty use your resources? Uh, This is one of my favorite parts of my job and something that, especially since I come from a background working primarily in art and history museums, most of my work kind of borders between um, curatorial, so working with putting together exhibitions and researching objects, but then education, so making sure that these objects are available to people in ways that they can relate to them and understand new ideas. So since joining the Texas Fashion Collection as the director about two years ago, um, I've moved from having around 200 students a year come to the TFC to around 3,500. Oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah, which has been, (laughs) yeah, there's been a tremendous learning curve in that for everyone involved. Incredible. Um, But that's meant that now most, for example, most fashion design courses come into the TFC at some point for research. So whether that's a fashion illustration class coming in to practice, you know, drawing the curved line and a heel of a, a a stiletto shoe, or it's an early pattern making class that wants to come in and look at examples of handbags and then sketch them trying to figure out all the different pattern pieces and cloth that come together, kind of like engineering, trying to figure out how to reverse engineer some of the pieces in our collection. And then they go and sit in a classroom with computers and use computer animated drafting software to create kind of like an industrial pattern for something that we have. There are so many different ways for you know, early career professionals, designers, students to come into our collection and learn in these classroom environments. But then something that we've also added is one-on-one research appointments with students who want to dig a little bit deeper in one specific, you know, component component of design, construction, history. Even just yesterday, we had a student from the Fibers program who set up an appointment with me, and he was really interested in quilting. So he emailed me a week in advance, set up a one-on-one appointment. I did some research in our collection and then pulled examples of quilting in pieces that we have. So that included uh, an haute couture coat by Christian Dior from when John Galliano was the head of the house wow. to a house coat from the 1960s that had been quilted um, to a dress. I think I had one. Yes. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're really fantastic. You know, we can look at all of these, you know, different examples um, of how designers have treated textiles, you know, everywhere from something that's so intimate that's worn at home that, yeah, lots of people have familiarity with, but then also going all the way up to this very high design example. And for our students to be able to see, you know, that diversity and treatments of materials and cultural perspectives is, you know, just so fantastic. What an incredible resource. That is amazing. Now, do you lend these clothings also out to other museums and institutions, or do you have, uh, and do you have other people from outside the country, from outside the university, from outside the state of Texas come and see what you have? 
This is really a perfect time to be discussing this because right now the Texas Fashion Collection has objects on loan to a number of museums. So for example, uh, the Lyndon Johnson Presidential Library in Austin borrowed a bathing costume from around 1910 that's in an exhibition called Get in the Game, which is exploring um, kind of women's rights and how they've aligned with athletic endeavors in the United States, which is such an interesting way to interpret a piece in our collection. It truly is. Uh, we also have um, four pieces on loan to the Kimball Art Museum. They have an exhibition called Balenciaga in Black, which was curated by people from the Palais Galliera, which is a museum in Paris. So these the, the exhibition originated in Paris with the Palais Galliera and the Balenciaga archives. It was on view in Paris. The deputy director of the Kimball fell in love with this exhibition and decided to bring it to Fort Worth. But because the Texas Fashion Collection has one of the largest collections of Cristobal Balenciaga's work in the world, Amazing. the curators from the Balenciaga archives and the Palais Galliera came to the Texas Fashion collection and selected a few designs that they don't even have in their museum. That's so impressive. Yeah, it's truly a- impressive. Based on the age of many of the designs, you must have to be particularly sensitive to preservation and anything that might cause damage to these delicate items. What do you do about that? You know, there. I think this is probably the least glamorous part of my job, but probably <laughs> one of the most important. <laughs> so when we accept donations, the first thing we do is put everything in a freezer for at least three days. So if you go kind of back into our facilities, you can see a freezer by one of the doors from the outside. It's really important for us to process everything through the freezer to kill any bugs or eggs that might be on garments. Not because our donors are, you know, dirty. Of course. But because you, you just never know what might might be swept up. And textiles are really delicious little snacks for a lot of things like moths. And if a moth were to get into our oh. collection storage area, you can just imagine. I imagine, hate to even think about oh, it. It would be devastating. <laughs> um, and on top of that, we have a lot of chemical issues that we need to think about. So for example, the 1960s was a time when designers were exploring new materials, especially plastics like PVC. And many of us have things like raincoats or, you know, the jelly shoes that were really popular in the 1990s. Those are all made out of petroleum-based products that start degrading really quickly. They off-gas and put off formaldehyde. Mm. And, you know, they kind of destroy themselves within anything that's around them, too. So we have to be really careful in monitoring things I'm sure you do. That sounds like a very complex expertise to have. Now, there is also an ever-growing, wonderfully informative digital library that people can find on the Internet, because I know I found it, (laughs) and it has photographs and descriptions that allow people to view these things online. I'm sure part of that must also be in uh, your preservation and keeping the items intact instead of having people come in all the time into your facility, but also what a wonderful way for people to view it without actually having to come and view it. You talk a little bit about that. This is pro- this is probably the project I'm most passionate about right now at the TFC. So we're even getting a new database. I was just on the phone earlier this morning with the person that's custom creating Hot this off data. the presses. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we've been fortunate that uh, a donor to 
to the university um, named Brezzy Westheimer has donated cash for procuring a new database for us. So right now we're in the processing of process of photographing our entire collection, and soon even more will be available online. Um, so right now about 10% of our collection is available through the UNT Libraries website through a very generous um, collaborative project that they instituted, um, but we've realized that our needs are much bigger than just that project as it started. So we're getting a new system called Museum Plus. The College of Visual Art and Design has lent us some graduate student assistance. So right now our photographer is a graduate student in the photo program whose work explores studio photography that's mannequin based. Megan DeSoto has been an incredible gift to us and having her expertise, you know, having this be a learning environment for her, but then also us having her expertise for what this project. What a resource. Project. Absolutely. That's fantastic. So I know this collection is continuing to grow. And I just have to ask, what can people do to help support the Texas Fashion Collection? Well, thank you for that question. You're welcome. (laughs) Um, So we're always interested in reviewing potential garments that people are interested in donating to us. Right now, we're most interested in um, contemporary pieces uh, because our collection, its strength is really from the 1880s through the 1980s. And so few of us think about the clothing that we've worn recently as being important to save. But if we don't start preserving some of these examples now, you know, in a century, we're going to have this dearth of examples from the early 2000s. We're also interested in adding pieces by designers of color because right now our collection has very few pieces designed by Asian designers, by black designers, um, pieces that represent what young people have been wearing. You know, there aren't very many 18-year-olds who think of donating their wardrobe. Um, So we're really focused on those for some of the objects we'd like to add to the collection. And of course, we always appreciate any financial support that people might be interested in lending us. You know, even a $10 donation would help us make archival quality padded hangers so that our pieces that can't just be on a standard hanger will be preserved more carefully. And of course, if someone has a passion project that they're interested in funding at the TFC, I'm all ears because we appreciate any support and expertise that people are willing to lend to us. And I've seen what you do there at the collection, and I know that you can make people's dollars go a long way. Yes, yeah, we're very creative. (laughs) (laughs) So can you tell us quickly about your involvement with Ollie? Yes, this has been a great thing to learn about at UNT. Um, I first learned about learned about Ollie at another university I worked at and was thrilled to find out that UNT had such a robust program. I was first introduced to it by two colleagues who were teaching a class called Victoria's Secrets, uh, which was talking about Queen Victoria. Um, <laughs> clever. Yeah, it is very clever. And what an accessible way to yeah. you know help people think about history. So they were teaching primarily about interior design, which was their expertise and a little bit of history and, you know, the history of manners and culture at that time. So they asked me to come in and talk about some topics. So I chose underwear, you know, of course, with Victoria's (laughs) Secret as the title. Um, And it was great fun. I had a reproduction cage crinoline, which is an undergarment that women wore from the 1850s to the 1870s that kind of creates that big, you know, Scarlett O'Hara bell-shaped skirt. Um, And we had an Ollie participant come try it on and practice 
walking around with it, walking up and down stairs, sitting in a chair. It can be a great way of thinking about how, you know, the past feels so distant, but there were still just bodies just like ours that were, you know, walking through spaces, trying to negotiate how their clothing worked with those environments. Since that first start, I've been making a point to propose a class kind of on my own every semester since then. So we also had uh, some art history senior students who were taking a capstone course. Um, They were all assigned a garment at the Texas Fashion Collection and then prepared presentations for our OLLI participants. Those students then went on to write long research-length papers about these, and some of them even used those as writing samples to get into graduate school. So it was a really important chance for some of our, you know, UNT students and to let their brilliance shine. But then also our OLLI participants are on UNT's campus. Of course they should be interacting with, you know, some of our more traditional students. It was a really wonderful environment having everyone at the TFC learning together like that. That's amazing. Once again, you're pulling everyone in together, and I love that. This has been fascinating. I encourage everyone to go online and check out that wonderful digital collection. And I thank you very much, Annette. It's been so great. This has been Susan Supak speaking at the Osher Lifelong Learning Institute at the University of North Texas with Annette Becker, director of UNT's Texas Fashion Collection, and fortunately for us, an Ollie faculty member. Thanks for listening.